We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Oh, hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Positively Real Podcast. I'm your host and coach, B. King, and today's episode is extra special because I'm actually sharing a podcast that is near and dear to my heart for many reasons, and I got to be a guest, the first guest on this podcast. So my friend and client, Tessa Cahoon, created the Dear Sunny podcast. And I felt so honored that she raised her hand and asked for help and allowed me to help her. And it was such a privilege because Tessa and I go way back. She helped plan my wedding, which goes down in history as one of the best days of my life. Honestly, best day of my life, second best day of my life now. Best day of my life was when my daughter was born. But anyway, So when Tessa reached out to me and said, hey, I need help, I have an idea, I had no idea what was in store. And on our first call, she spilled her whole entire heart, her guts, everything out to me. And oh my gosh, my whole entire body was vibrating with just so much love for this girl, what she's been through, and then now wanting to use her pain to help other women. And I just was like, I have to help you do this. This is an incredible mission that you're on and I would be honored to help you. And I know my girl T, she is what people would call a perfectionist. And I want to say now she is no longer perfectionist because she is embracing the messy, that comes with starting something new. And the fact that she asked me to be on her podcast to talk about overcoming perfectionism really meant so much to me because that is something that I helped her do. And I remember there was a couple times where I had to show her and call her forward on these perfectionist tendencies. And there was moments where she was like, oh my gosh, you're right. And you know, at first it's very justifiable. It's like, no, 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 it just needs to be this way. And then when you have someone just kind of showing you where those blind spots are, you bring such beautiful awareness. And in the episode, she asked me, she said, what were some of the tendencies that you saw in me? And I was like, oh, that you needed to know how to do everything and have it all done and perfectly put together before taking action. And her jaw dropped. She was like, I feel so seen. And I was like, I get it. I know. I've been there. And I work with so many high-achieving women, which is my favorite group to work with because when high-achieving women start to, to focus on their purpose and what they're meant to do in this world, they get shit done and they make a difference. And Tessa is an exact example of that. If you haven't listened to her podcast yet, you'll get to listen to it now because you're going to listen to the episode, but you definitely need to check out her podcast. She is courageously sharing her story. She is being vulnerable, sharing everything from the inside out, and she's doing it with humor and grace. And that's just Tessa. That's literally just Tessa. And I feel so grateful that I had the opportunity to help her get this project off the 
off the ground. <laughs> I said floor, floor ground, groundies, groundies. <laughs> I just love her so much. So you'll get to listen to the podcast and just want you to think about what goes into taking an idea and bringing it to action. It's so much more than just one, two, three. There is the steps are easy. You have to follow the steps, you do the steps, but what you have to overcome are the beliefs, the fear, the overwhelm, the stories, the judgment, all of that stuff is what gets in our way. And that is what I help my people do. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to help my people get out of their own way so they can share their gifts with the world. So please enjoy this episode. Just think about how cool this is that she went from ideation to creation in three months and she's doing it so well. All right. Enjoy. Without further ado, the Dear Sunny podcast. We've had the giggles since we showed up here at the studio because I'm sitting here with one of my favorite people. So you guys, you are in for a real treat because we have the one, the only, my good friend, a mother, a mentor, a wife, an entrepreneur, a mindset coach, a spin instructor, turned silent disco instructor, (laughs) self-love advocate, a walking, living, breathing ray of sunshine, a human disco ball, and an overall positively badass human. We have Brittany King here today. Brittany. I mean, you just summed me. I have like I have tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> I, I can see a little that bit of a glisten. That's just a beautiful way to introduce me. Thank you, know, you. Oh my God. Well, you deserve a beautiful introduction because you are a beautiful human. And, and the reason why I felt like I needed to bring you on, first and foremost, just thank you so much for everything. So I know a lot of you guys may not know this, but I've been working with Brittany for a couple months now, and she has given me so many tools to help me on a regular basis. And when I had reached out on social media about, you know, what guys, what you want to talk about, what topics, and when perfectionism came up, I was like, who better to bring in than Brittany King? Because she literally talks me off of a ledge on a regular basis and helps me overcome my perfectionist tendencies. But I have been working with Brittany for a few months now. She has given me so many tools to regulate my nervous system, to reprogram my mindset so I can heal, thrive, and make my dreams a reality. This being the Dear Sunny podcast. You guys, I don't think that the Dear Sunny podcast would even be a thing if it wasn't for Brittany. So, Brittany, thank you. Oh, I got my hands on my heart right now. Because I remember when when you reached out to me, I was... So excited because <laughs> I love working with I love working with all women, but especially women that I know that I see their greatness in. And Aww. when you were curious about I had no idea, literally zero idea yeah. what you wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. And then once you shared everything and then you kind of told me this idea of a podcast, I was like, yes, it just felt it in my body. It was like, it's done. Yeah. And I think you had a prompt on your social media where it was like, hey, I'm doing a complimentary like 15 minute phone call. Like if you're interested in my services and I don't know, it was like that impulsive. Like I felt like I was just being driven by a higher power to be like, just reach out to her right now. And then your response was, are you serious? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I have this idea, but I haven't literally told a soul. Um, Except minus Zoe Greco, who is a psychic and also could just sense that I wanted to do this. But I had not told a single soul. And this was the beginning of June. Yeah. And here we are. Labor Day, right after Labor Day, beginning of September, second episode or third episode. It will be the third episode of the mm. Dear Sunny podcast. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Oh my well, God. it's funny because I, when when you were interested, I always ask because number one, people scroll through Instagram and accidentally hit, <laughs> <laughs> they accidentally hit polls, your polls all the time. Yeah. Uh, but 
And besides that, it's like you'll be a dream to work with because I know what you're capable of because I've known you for so long. And fun fact, Tessa threw the best wedding (laughs) ever. And it's funny that we're at Good Vibe Studio because Carly was the videographer. Just so full circle. <laughs> it is full circle. Uh, the most magical wedding. And so I just know what you're capable of. So when you were like, I have an idea. And one of my favorite phrases, sentences, words that come out of people's mouth is, I have an idea. Like, I love it so much because I believe we're given ideas for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it is our responsibility to bring that idea into the world. And it's hard to do on our own. Oh, it's so hard. So, Because, I mean, this is a different world. I mean, I started my wedding planning business that, first off, champions perfectionism. Um, you know, when I was 23, now fast forward, I'm 33. So it's like I've changed dramatically. And I did. I just had this like nagging. It started off as like a little spark, a little idea. And then it was just like persistent every single day where it was like, do more, speak, speak out. Like you want to share, you want to connect. And I just thought, what better way to connect with somebody who just is you're just such a warm and incredible energy and you're just so happy and everyone that just comes in your path is just touched by like like I said a little ray of sunshine and I was like oh I feel really safe with this person like this is the person I want to entrust with my journey and I know that like she's already doing it with your podcast like I just so I'm just so grateful that you're here and I'm just so happy that we get to tackle perfectionism today mm-hmm. because I don't know about you but I feel like I've talked to so many women in particular and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. Almost every single person I've talked to. And like, I think in their mind, they're like, oh, I'm perfectionist in the sense of, oh, I'm just like an overachiever or like I just do things really, really well, which is definitely a part of it. But you've opened my eyes into, oh, no, like this is how perfection is showing up in your daily life. And you've helped me overcome a lot and take messy action, which has been so hard for me, especially when you're doing something new. Oh, yeah. Like when you're doing something new and you have no idea what's going on, you're like, Ugh, like, help, help, <laughs> help me. <laughs> yes. Uh, but um, before we get into perfectionism mm-hmm. and the gifts and curses of perfectionism and how to overcome perfectionism, through your own words, describe how what you do, one, even though I know we've touched upon it a little bit, and how you help women like me become the happiest, healthiest version of themselves. Well, you touched on so much of what I do, <laughs> uh, but I help high-achieving women redefine success. And so much of that has to do with perfectionism. But when I really break that down and what that means is I help high achieving women create a life that they don't want to escape from. I help them learn how to respond to life versus react to life and enjoy the one life that we get. So redefining success, you know, when we get fall into the cycle of trying to be perfect, it's based off of what society has told us success is. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy to fall into that trap. And then one day we wake up and we feel completely empty compared to all of the accolades or all the achievements that we have external. So mm-hmm. external does not match the internal. And my job is to help the internal match the external. So that's what I do in a nutshell. Uh, but ultimately, I, you know, I help women really own who they are and who they're meant to be in this world. And I did that through my own journey. And I think 
when when we hear the words like happiest and healthiest, it is so subjective. It's like, what does that actually mean to someone? And to one person, it may mean one thing. And to another person, it might be the other. So to me, I really help women get aligned with their mind, body, and spirit. So I believe health is more than just our physical health. I think it's our mental health, our emotional health, and our spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And I really help women tap into all of those areas. Whether or not you're spiritual, religious, there's still an element of that. Because when you're creating something, it's always bigger than your yourself. It's always bigger than you. And there has to be an element of spiritual connection to do just that, especially when you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, no, exactly. And before I started working with you, I always felt like and I think I've described this to you, I always felt like there was three versions of me. There was spin instructor Barbie, wedding planning Barbie, and then just Tessa as Tessa trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And just with working with you, I felt like all of those different personalities Mm -hmm. have finally merged into one being. Oh my gosh. And I don't know if if people can relate to that, if women can relate to that, where you just are like, oh my God. But I, so women are, and, and people in general are still multifaceted. Mm-hmm. But I think that society just tends to put people into categories mm-hmm. and just see things as so black and white. So then it's really hard to kind of look outside yourself and be like, okay, this isn't what's working for me. And I believe me. I actually had like, I would fantasize about like, I would like look at vans on offer up and be like, can I be a van life girl and just like get in a van and just drive away? <laughs> Which like if you came to me like telling me you had this idea, I'd be like, well, what are you running away from? Like, what are you driving yeah. away? And from? I needed someone to do that for me. Yeah. I needed someone to be like, hey, like, listen, like we're not running. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, life is not meant to be ran away from. Life mm-hmm. is meant to, okay, how do we pivot? Mm-hmm. And that is the whole purpose of this podcast it's like okay if you don't like how something's going and if you don't like the way that your life is going or if you've experienced this pattern that keeps on reoccurring like how do we transition and you've helped me greatly through that so just kudos to you well it has been an honor and I remember on our first call when you know we we talked about perfectionist Mm -hmm. tendencies and I said straight up I'm like I'm gonna call you out on this and I hope you're okay (laughs) with that (laughs) which is hard for a perfectionist I like it when people call me out right But in the beginning, it's like, oh, like, you know, you kind of have to face those things that we don't necessarily always love about ourselves. You have to reflect. We have to sit and reflect. And I will say you've done such an amazing job. Like we see it come up and your willingness, you know, to be instead of being called out, like call you forward and to be Mm -hmm. called forward and be able to redirect that. You've done that so fluidly and well. And that's just a testament to the work that you've done. Like you've done a lot of work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And anyone that listened to episode number one, you understand Tessa's story and what she's gone through and what she's experienced and grown through and it's it, she's got to this place just passively she has actively been in the healing process mm-hmm. and I could see that in our coaching because yeah. when someone is not they're really resistant and then they end up resenting me because I'm like pointing out things that they don't love and you were always so like oh oh like you were thankful yeah for the call forward oh no I'm very thankful for the call forward because I knew coming to you I was like I need answers that I know that I cannot get on my own so I was willing and open to hearing that I think that that's the biggest part of healing right mm-hmm. is be- being willing to actually like self-reflect and be like this is not working for me this is not it and 
you know, it, it is. It's hard to own it, but you got to own it. Yeah. You got to own mm-hmm. it. But so speaking of owning it, I did. I am. Um, I'm going to own the fact that I creeped on you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. What did you discover? You know, fun fact, I was an elementary school computer teacher. And my. What? Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm Com- what did so you, many layers. What do you teach an oh. elementary student about computers? You know, if you anyone that knows me like laughs about this because I used to think I was pretty tech savvy. I mean, tech has evolved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like typing programs and all that but I looked like a student because I started right out of college and they always were sleuthing on me they were always on look googling my name and seeing what they come up with so. I love that I, I never heard the term sleuth oh sleuth yeah it's such a I love fun it word yeah so you're sleuth. sleuthing sleuthing so sleuthing is like creeping yeah okay <laughs> I'm gonna be using that um, but when I was doing my research when I was sleuthing hard <laughs> um, I read an article that you were featured in. And it went into, you know, your earlier life and about how you were voted Miss Positivity in high school, which did not surprise me at all. Um, but that at the time, and then even in like into your early 20s, you felt that you were living a lie and that you were a fraud and that you didn't necessarily feel that you were Miss Positivity. So um, I just want you to elaborate on that a little bit because, you know, you had me fooled. <laughs> but I think that it's really important because I think that when we go into the world, we do, we wear masks. Mm-hmm. And this whole podcast is about removing the mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit more about that. Let's and what was your breaking point? Off. What made you take that mask off, Let's take the mask off. So there's a couple things there. Uh, you know, I think being labeled the happy one my whole entire life made me take on this identity of like, I'm the happy one. I'm always all good. No one has to check on me. And so when I was on my journey in my early 20s, when internally things were not good, I really didn't know what to do because I felt that there was something wrong with me. And this just like traces back all the way through most of my life. I always felt like there was something wrong with me. And I think that so much of this work that I went through led me into coaching was because I realized there was nothing wrong with me. Uh, And I needed the space to explore that and Mm -hmm. try to understand why I felt that way. So it was really interesting because I didn't realize there was a term for it of imposter syndrome, <laughs> but that is a real thing. And I I, I, I learned it because I felt like a fraud. Um, as Tess mentioned, we know each other through teaching spin. Mm-hmm. And when my classes started to gain popularity and people were like, you're such a light, you're so positive. I was so afraid that people were going to find me out. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'd be driving to class, sweaty palms. I'm like, one day, like someone's going to come into class and be like, she's not who she sh- says she is. And we're going to like take this away from her. Mm-hmm. Something that I finally found that like I felt free was all going to get taken away. The I success that. that I had was everyone was going to find me out. And you know, this is a form of imposter syndrome. And I really felt like I I had everyone fooled. And it was just going to be a matter of time till everyone's like, you're not who you say you are. Mm -hmm. But that's the beautiful thing about coaching is because we don't see ourselves the way that others do. And coaching gives an opportunity for someone and uh, a safe, non-judgmental space to hold up a mirror and help you see yourself the way that the world sees you, which often is more accurate than the way that you see yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's because the way that we see ourselves is skewed. It's so skewed based off of what we think is acceptable societal norms and pressures that we put on ourselves, all these external pressures, um, because we're so disconnected from who we really are internally. And it was, I mean, it was such a journey to 
really come home to myself. And that's how I started my business was based off of self-love. And it's such a like catchy thing, right? Of, like self-love. It's like mm-hmm. this trendy. And it truly is without my journey of learning how to love and accept myself and trust myself, I probably would still be showing up that way that I was showing up when I was in my early 20s. Yeah. No, I can totally relate. And how how long ago did you start your business? I started my business Four and a half years ago. Okay, so four and a half years ago, which I'm like trying to think was self-love. I feel like really that I started learning about self-love, which is so weird to say because it's like that should be inherit. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. But I feel like that became a thing around the pandemic. Yeah, I I think so. When it forced people to look inward. So Mm -hmm. you've... You were ahead of the curve. I was a little bit ahead of the curve. Well, and I, it's funny because it is very trendy now. And one yeah. of um, and one of my clients, when we started working together, the concept of loving herself mm-hmm. just never crossed her mind ever. Like I it know. was mind blowing. And she's in her. She just turned fifty. It never crossed her mind, and it's changed her whole entire world to actually love on herself. And it's more than just getting massages and getting your nails done, like that, you know, self-care. Like yeah. self-love is truly loving and accepting yourself for who you are without anything changing. And something that you said earlier about when you started working with me, you felt like you had all these different parts of yourself and you were able to, like, feel whole. Mm-hmm. And that's what the work that I do is all about, is coming home to yourself and not yeah. trying to find something externally to validate who you are, but validating yourself from within. And that was really my journey. And it actually started with health because the way that I was treating my body was not kind. I was eating terribly. I was drinking all the time, partying all the time, you know, normal. I'm putting that in quotes. Normal, not normal things for 20 year olds to do, but just completely destroying my only home, my internal world. And that was a reflection of how I felt mentally and emotionally, but it was acceptable because that's what everyone that that's what 20, 20 something's do. Doing, right? It's cute. It's cute. It's fun. And and, yeah. and to an extent, like there is a time for it. But when I'm doing that to numb what was really going on internally, like that inner voice that was telling me that you're a fraud, that's telling me that you're not good enough, that like you're worthless. Like when I was doing that to drown that out, that I only felt complete when I was around other people, but when I was alone, that's how I knew I was like, oh, this isn't this isn't this is going to be a problem for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think it's too. I think what, what what keeps people in that pattern where it's we are disrespecting ourselves, our body when we are disassociating, it's mm-hmm. our ability to look away. Yeah. It's our ability to look away. It's the excuses of, well, I'm in my 20s. This is what I do, so which it. I which I owned mm-hmm. like in my 20s. I had a ball. Until I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> until I didn't. Same. And then until it caught up with me. And then now it's not so cute. And now it's not so cute anymore. Yeah. And yeah, no. So I totally resonate with that. And I also think, too, you know, having an audience. So whether it is a social media following or even if it's just being in front of people teaching spin, mm-hmm. that I, I totally related to what you said about the imposter syndrome of people finding you out mm-hmm. because you do, you almost are a character mm-hmm. when you are going in to teach a class. Mm-hmm. Like I had to develop a full blown alter ego where I wore beanies for like the first three years I of remember. teaching. <laughs> it was so hot. I loved it. <laughs> it was so, so, like it was physically, so hot. It was physically, so physically hot. hot. It was 
physically terrible. <laughs> but, but I was like, but I was that character. And then when people wanted to hang out with me outside of the spin mm-hmm. room, I was I was ridden with anxiety mm-hmm. because I, I was like, they're, they're going to be disappointed mm-hmm. about who I am. Mm-hmm. And again, so then I started just showing up as my avatar everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you start to lose sight of yourself. Yeah. And then before you know it, you are 33 and you're like, I need to turn this around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel you on that. So I guess your breaking point was just being exhausted by this avatar that you were living in. Yes. I mean, that was a big part of it. And the relationships that I was in, I had such a pattern with the guys that I was dating. And anytime a relationship would be good, I would find a way to self-sabotage. Like, it would just be like, oh, this is weird. Like, I just couldn't handle that it was good and I would find a way to destroy it and so I was in a really toxic pattern there and where I almost lost all of my friends it was just one of those moments where I woke up after a huge disassociation um, moment where I think I disassociated for hours and I remember waking up the next day and I had this moment where I was like you're gonna have to make a change or you're gonna be alone which was it is still is my biggest fear yeah. But it's like that took me, it changed the trajectory of my life and everything that I went up to into that point. I mean, it wasn't just a flip of a switch. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. not. Uh, but that really shifted everything for me to start really taking the journey inward and connecting with myself, connecting with myself physically, mentally, emotionally. And I still have to do it. It's like it's not just doesn't ever go away. Daily practice. Daily practice. I mean, especially with imposter syndrome. You know, imposter syndrome is a way that our brain just is trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. Just coming across the delivery is all wrong. So it's perfectionism. It is. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's a part of it. When I think of imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome and perfectionism go hand in hand. There's different types of imposters that show up, but they all have a flavor of perfectionism. Yeah. And would you say out of all the clients that you work with that perfectionism comes up the most or at least top three? What are your top three? Oh my gosh. I mean, perfectionism, especially I work with high achieving women. (laughs) So perfectionism, hey, hey. (laughs) perfectionism is one perfectionism, uh, burnout, overwhelm, but those are all the symptom of perfectionism. perfectionism. Mm and, and, and unfulfillment, too, which is so fascinating because when you think of someone that is a high achiever and you look at them externally and you're like, oh, my gosh, they have all these wonderful things, yet they feel empty inside. They've checked all the boxes. But perfectionism, to me, is a symptom of something else that's going on. And so when I say that, it's just a symptom of a core belief that you have about yourself and the world. Okay, so I'm just going to extend an example by using myself. So I know I have come forward and you have corrected me and you have helped me overcome my perfectionism. So for me, what was my symptom of my perfectionism? Uh, You wanted to have everything figured out before you took action. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't (laughs) expecting it to be that spot on because I didn't even know. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) I mean, nailed it. Let me just go into my files (laughs) real quick. Um, That is me. I want to be a pro before I'm a pro. Yeah, you are. So (laughs) in in imposter syndrome, there's all these different types of imposters, different avatars, and one of them is the expert. Mm -hmm. And so the expert is a flavor of perfectionism that's like, I need to have it all figured out before Mm -hmm. I take action. Oh, yep. That's yeah. That's your girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very normal. And listen, this is so normal. This is how our brains are wired. When something's uncertain and unknown, we want to go to the familiar. Mm -hmm. And when you grow up, you know, in school, 
I had a really hard time in school. That's why I was like, I'm not a perfectionist. Like I got D's and C's, uh, but I have a different flavor of perfectionism. But in school, we're, es- we're essentially told like you have to get good grades or you're going to get held back or whatever. And mm-hmm. that was my experience. I got terrible grades. School was really hard for me. Like really, I was taken out of classrooms. I, all, all of the things that I know now should not happen to a child in their formative years happened not to me for me I wouldn't be here without that experience Um, but we're just told if you fail it's a problem yeah and so that's where perfectionism really is born is right there in our in our traditional industrial schooling is if you fail you will get held back it's like literally it's put in the fear oh yeah you're being graded nine out of ten ten out of ten yeah like oh there's always room for improvement so i'm going to give you a nine out of ten like that's yeah that is that's severely and then it's also too for for children that learn differently i mean again just going back to that black or white Mm -hmm. things are not so black and white no no. Ugh. Yeah. Girl. So, okay, so if if you're listening and if you're if if you're like okay, what is perfectionism? <laughs> Which I don't know. If you I feel like a lot of you probably know versions of perfectionism, but for me and what I've discussed with Brené, our favorite definition of perfectionism came from Brené Brown and Brené we trust. Brené we trust. I think I quote her almost too much on my Instagram. But no, there's no she, such thing. I know there's no such thing. She's so good. She speaks to my core. But this is really what nailed it for me. So Brene Brown defines perfectionism as a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. And that thought is, if I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the pain in the feelings of blame, judgment, and shame. So I'm going to avoid blame, judgment, and shame by being perfect and being perceived as perfect, which mm. does not exist. So and how exhausting is that? I'm exhausted. It's exhausting. And the funny thing is you can't avoid shame, blame, or judgment because it comes from our thoughts. So even if we are perfect mm-hmm. to the standard, we're still going to have thoughts that create all of those emotions. Yes. And she also described it as the two-ton shield that protects us potentially from blame, judgment, and shame, but also prevents people from seeing us, mm-hmm. which has been the biggest hurdle I think I face in starting the Dear Sunny podcast mm-hmm. because I I would disclose some things on social media to people, but I did feel like I had been isolating and hiding my true self for a long time. I know, I mean, even like we're, we're, we were acquaintances, now we're friends, and you probably had no idea the stuff that I had been facing until I actually scheduled that call with you. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think that that's how you find your tribe, right? Mm-hmm. You find your tribe through just letting go of the perfectionist aspect of I need to have it together all the time and truly being authentic but you also lose people that way too Mm -hmm. and it is what it is but that's been the hardest thing for me in battling my perfectionism Mm -hmm. I can just speak you know I mean I've I put my I I posted a video yesterday where I was just crying I don't like to cry in front of people and I posted it in front of 13,000 followers I was like this is me crying with this amazing quote from Viola Davis which I love but this is all unnatural to me Mm -hmm. and what Brittany's helped me with Brittany's helped me with the with making me feel comfortable and letting go of that version of myself so I can truly be seen. Mm -hmm. And I think when you feel truly seen, the people who come at you with that negativity, it doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, it's just you find yourself Mm -hmm. when you unveil that level of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. You really do. Yeah. Well, when, you know, when you let go of 
what we think it's supposed to be, right, and look like and let it happen as it's meant to, then it takes away the power mm-hmm. of that perfectionism. Yeah. Because when, you know, when I really strip back the layers of what perfectionism is, it's fear. Oh, 100%. It's fear. It's right? a shield. It's yeah. a shield. It's, And when we can really sit with that and question it of like, is this actual fear? Like, are you actually in danger? Or is this something manufactured in your mind? And perfectionism is created in our mind. Mm -hmm. It's created from this belief system that essentially stems from our value, our worth comes from having it all together, having that perfect life, doing everything really, really well without any errors or mistakes, Mm -hmm. which is when we really talk about it and you have space from it, it's hilarious. Yeah. Because how, like, being a human, right? When we're like, oh, we're just being a human. Being a human means making mistakes. That would, that's what it means to be a human. Every single day. Every single day. There is yeah. a mistake being made. I mean, that's why we're here in this evolved modern society. We didn't get here because our ancestors were perfect. They made a ton of mistakes. They made a ton of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And their mistakes, their lessons is what's helped us evolve as a as a society, has helped us evolve as a species. Mm-hmm. So when we really sit with that and check in with the fear, right, being found out, uh, being seen, all of that, it's really important to recognize that it's not your whole entire self which you've done a really good job of you recognize that it's parts of you and that's key is this part of me is a form of self-protection and when we look at it from that it's actually very sweet it's like it's sweet (laughs) it just comes across wrong but it's a form of self-protection to protect your truth your essence of who you are when you're born into this world no one so it's funny because i use the word perfect a lot with my daughter because she's perfect (laughs) she's perfect same with my dog right she they come into the world perfect and so did we we are perfect in god's creation Mm -hmm. that is just what we are at the end of the day and then society tells us that we're not and then we believe it because all that a belief is is a thought that you've thought so many times that you think it's true. And maybe you might have inherited some of those beliefs from family members. It could have been passed down, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really, we're not given the skill set or the tools to question those beliefs. We kind of just go about our life believing everything we think. And no one's ever stopped to say, hey, not everything you think is true. In fact, nothing you think is true. You decide if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think, too, perfectionism shows up in the areas where we feel the most shame. Yeah. So where we feel the most shame... That is where the perfectionism switches into high gear. For me, that was I felt the most shame around not feeling loved or needing to feel more loved. Mm -hmm. So I tried to be everything that I could be for my partner. I tried to be the perfect partner. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I totally lost sight of myself. Mm -hmm. And then I also felt shame around my body. Mm -hmm. So I always tried to airbrush, filter, do whatever I could. I I mean, I slipped into an eating disorder because Mm -hmm. I I was just striving for this level of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the perfection, it's really just a shield. It's a Band-Aid. The, the root and the core of the issue is far beyond that. Yeah. And addressing that is, it's, it's, it is, sometimes it takes the worst things in life to make you address things. It does. And that's why it's always for us, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't make it less painful, mm-hmm. but it definitely makes it worth it. 
Yes. You know, it's like being able to address it because, yeah, perfectionism is protect. It's protection. It's a bandaid. It's 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 guarding a wound. Yeah. And the wound is the emotional state of a former part of yourself. Yeah. So when you can really connect to that part of yourself and feel into that emotion that you're perfectionist is trying to protect you from that's when you feel whole and complete and it doesn't have as much power over you Mm -hmm. yes and then I'm just curious because I and this is something that I've learned as of recently there are very subtle ways that perfectionism can show up yeah and I had no idea I don't know if if a lot of you listening are master procrastinators like 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 me over here but Procrastination is a side effect of perfectionism. What are other subtle, <laughs> subtle signs of it perfectionism that is. show up that we may not know about? Yeah. So perfectionism, like I said, is a form of fear. To me, fear is the master of disguise. Uh, in one of my group programs, we would always joke and say perfectionism is fear dressed in high heels. Because <laughs> that's how like... And some lipstick. And some lipstick. Uh, but another way that perfectionism, another symptom is confusion. That's, mm. that's mine. I really love like when I'm indulging and I use the word indulge because we do this we do this with certain um, emotions and I indulge in confusion a lot I say I don't know I don't know what the answer is I don't know and it's because I'm not connecting with myself I'm not listening to myself I'm not trusting myself and so when I say I don't know what leads to indecision and indecision is another way oh, that perfectionism which is also procrastination too because uh-huh. you're just yeah, setting it off, off. you're putting it off I can't do that of it, right? yeah, not going to touch it and indecision is the fear again you can see how fear is this common theme mm-hmm. it's a fear of making the wrong decision because we need to make the right decision because mm-hmm. there's no room for error Mm-hmm. And that's perfectionism. We have we have to get it right the first time, or else we shouldn't do it at all. Afraid of failure. Afraid afraid of failure. And we'll get into that in a little bit of how to overcome it because mm-hmm. it's truly rooted in overcoming, like leaning into that fear of failure versus running away from it. But if you ever catch yourself saying, "I just don't know," or "I'm confused," or you know, there's so many different ways that it shows up. You have to be on to yourself. And I say this in the most loving way. Like you just have to kind of be on to your BS and, and the, the patterns that you have. And in a way that's really loving and compassionate and most importantly, curious. Like, oh, that's interesting. I say I don't know a lot. That's something that I notice with my clients. I don't know is sometimes every other word, especially on initial phone calls. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. When you're saying I don't know, you're just not connected to your inner knowing. And I believe that every single person in this world is born with it. And I'm seeing it unfold. My daughter is a year and a half. We have, you know, we haven't done any parenting. You know, we kept a human alive up until this point, which is a feat in and of itself because they don't come with manuals. But I am watching her every single day and she just has this inherent knowing. Yeah, like we've showed her some things, but she knows like she's on the couch she knows not to go head first she knows how to get off of it she sees stairs she knows you know she just has this knowing and she is born with it just like all of us are we've just lost touch with it that's why you know getting in touch with your body regulating your nervous system really coming back to a grounded calm state is the answer to overcoming perfectionism yeah well I also think too there's a lot of confusion that happens when you know whether it is a learned mindset from a family member or society Mm -hmm. also projecting their own yeah you know bs onto you and what Mm -hmm. you should be doing I think that also creates confusion too oh totally and then you just feel like you have to operate in the way that is expected of you because again that also alleviates the the potential of shame and judgment yes so and making other people comfortable 
Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then that's where, and when when you when you're trying to make other people comfortable, that's when you when you stop setting boundaries. Yeah, because you're so worried about disappointing someone else that you're willing to disappoint yourself. Yeah, and it's it's almost easier. Oh, it's so like it's same thing with commitments. I work on this a lot with my clients too. It's so easy to keep a commitment to someone else because they don't want to let them down, and that's coming from a place of people pleasing. But when it comes to commitments for themselves, they're the first person to go. And people pleasing—that's also a side effect of perfectionism yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, because we want every we want everyone to like us. We want to make sure that even if we don't like ourselves, <laughs> that we can get that external validation, and we don't want to rock the boat, or you know, make sure that everyone is good. Yeah. Uh, and and these are often trauma responses from our past. Oh yeah, and that's why being able to like sit with it and not judge it is so it's imperative. It's it's the first step because once you can recognize that you are experiencing this pattern, it doesn't have to do with your current present self. These patterns are coming from some sort of experience, some sort of trauma, something that happened in your past that you formed a belief to protect how you truly felt in that moment. Yeah. So how have if and you don't need to answer if you don't if you don't want to. But how has perfectionism showed up for you? Oh, it's so before we hit record we were laughing because I was saying when I went <laughs> talking to my therapist, she was like, I'm just gonna say a word and let me know if it resonates. And I was like, Okay. She was perfect. And I just start smiling. I'm like, there it is again. It's showing up again. I'm in this new evolved space in my life and here it is again. It's showing up in its own way, especially becoming a new mom mm-hmm. and being like, oh, I need to be the also, perfect mom. Not to mention the toxic mom culture oh, that we see on social media nowadays. Totally, the Pinterest mom. If I but... see another bento box with like with a perfect star shape, like crusted sandwich, like I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> I know. It's like, what are you, what are you getting targeted in? <laughs> um, yeah, like that has been coming up for me, and I've been on this journey since my daughter's been born. It's turned me inside out, literally and figuratively, in the best way, but it's been the hardest year. And it's hard because everything externally is exactly how I've envisioned my life. The visions that I've created, the goals that I've set, I'm living my dream right now. And there's something inside of me that has had, like I can't access it because of all of the stuff that's been coming up of trying to be the perfect mom, the perfect wife, the business owner, the coach, all of these things. And it's just not attainable. But it's just showing up. It's not as in my face as it was in the past, it's way more sneaky and it's coming in the forms of indecision and procrastination, but they're just sneakier ways of that they're showing up. Because when I look at those ways that it shows up, those are a symptom and it's a symptom of my thoughts and my emotions not being in alignment. But the problem with that is I'm having all of this stuff come up from my childhood that I haven't addressed. Like It's just been conveniently tucked away because it felt too painful. And now it's being addressed. And I think that also that comes up when you are in a parent role, Mm -hmm. too. I, I remember even with, you know, with my ex's kids, I like things just came to me that I had just definitely I put away in a box yes. that I totally had forgotten about mm-hmm. and like just the way that they would react to certain situations or just the way that I would see them play or operate it would immediately set me back to oh my god I did the exact same thing and mm-hmm. this is how I felt and how do I get them to not feel that way yes. and and it does it's something that comes up when you are around little ones mm-hmm. yes becoming a parent or what like being around is yeah. around children yeah. is it's been so enlightening and Mm -hmm. triggering Mm -hmm. and again 
the trigger is it's showing me where my freedom is because these are things and patterns that I've been needing to address, but I it was too painful. And now I'm in a place in my life that I have the resources, I have the support, I have the skill set, I have everything that I need to work through it, which in the past I wasn't able to, which is obvious with the behavior. Uh, but it is, it's very fascinating. Things that just all of a sudden come to you and it's a little bit jarring. And for me, the way perfectionism has been showing up is I need to be the perfect wife, the perfect mom. I need to do everything perfectly or else I'm going to get left behind like, or else I'm going oh, yeah. to be alone. And that is like the root of it. And that is a thought. That's not actually true. But in my body, it feels true based off of my past experiences. And so now that that has come to light, I now have the ability to work with it and not run away from it That's like great. I have for most of my life. So yeah. that, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Not running away. Again, the inability to look away. Right. The inability to look away. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch upon, because I did, I talked about in the first episode, how social media is smoke and mirrors. People are constantly posting the highlight reels about how great their lives are. And it leaves the rest of us just feeling like we are not Mm. enough. Mm -hmm. I also think that comparing is also a side effect that's very subtle, a form of perfectionism, too. Yes. And I to speak upon how I want to be a pro before I'm a pro. Mm-hmm. I do. I look up to Glennon Doyle. I look up to Brene Brown. I love them. And I, but I'm like, oh, I want to be them. And I want to be them now. And you compare or you see other people doing what you want to do, but they're doing it better and they're farther along. And then that creates kind of like this stagnant place where it's just like, what's even the point? Yeah. Stops you right in your track. It stops you. But yeah. you've you've helped me get over that. Yeah. But it does. I, so if you feel like you are starting something and being on social media or comparing yourself is just taking the wind out of your sail, just know, hey, that's just a little baby form of perfectionism. You got to keep going. Yeah. And you're, and being able to acknowledge it and be on to yourself mm-hmm. about it, but then also not pushing it aside because that's where I think the pattern repeats is when you notice it and then you shame yourself for it, which again is perfectionism, meaning shaming yourself for, oh, I'm comparing myself again. Mm-hmm. That's bad. I'm bad. And it's like we take that judgment out Right? We can't grow from a place of judgment, from criticism, and shame cannot live in the light. So being able to talk about it, mm-hmm. I think that's what's so powerful about coaching and therapy is just having a space to talk about it, to address it, because yeah. then it takes the power away from it. And listen, human beings, it's very normal to compare. That is what we've been doing for centuries, yes. right? But it's because modern time with social media, we have this like window, it's like tiny little window into Every other day people's we lives. wake up to it. It's just our brains can't handle it. It's just too much for our brains to, to information for our brains to process. So that's what kind of creates that cycle of compare and despair. I have this thing that I do with my clients, especially my uh, career clients, my business coaching clients. I'm like, create before you consume. Maybe it's not even something that you create for anyone to see, but maybe it's just a creation for yourself. So you get into that creative space because nothing is more defeating than getting online and seeing something that someone's doing that instantly has you comparing yourself. It's always that check-in. It's like, is this expanding me of what's possible or is this deflating me and making me feel small? And if it is, that's when you do a little check-in with yourself and that's when you create another boundary. That's incredible. And I do know, too, I think that a lot of us, when we do do something brave, when we put ourselves out there, especially on something like social media and Instagram, and you start to, 
I think people instinctually, which is why I love that they started hiding the likes yeah. on certain posts. I mm-hmm. think people also, too, will rate their worth and what they're doing based off of yeah. the amount of responses that they're getting mm-hmm. from it. Yeah, it's a little dopamine hit. It is. It's a little dopamine hit. But I also think that that's when ego becomes the enemy, right? Because yeah. that, that's when, okay, you, your art, what you were trying to create has now become something completely different. Yes, like the intention behind it mm-hmm. completely shifts. Well, it, and I think yeah. it just comes back down to that validation. Mm-hmm. We're looking unconsciously, we're looking for that validation. Yeah. And it's something that we have to consci- be consciously aware of every single day or else it's going to default to that. Yeah. We, like we're tribal people. We want to be liked. Yeah. We want to be included in the tribe because I it's in, in our primitive brain. It's survival. And even though I wasn't going to go to the party, how come I wasn't invited? A thousand percent. I'm like, I wasn't going to go, but please include me. Yeah. Like, why wasn't I invited? Like, <laughs> like I, I mean, I'm only teaching one class a week, but like, how come I wasn't invited to teach at your papa? <laughs> like... Dumb, dumb stuff like that. I'm um, like, wait a second. I don't even really like want to. I already have enough. Like my plate's already full. But like, include me. A thousand <laughs> percent. And these are just things that are so normal and they're so human. And I just want to normalize it mm-hmm. and not make it wrong, but being able to really give yourself space from it. Yeah. And see how it, it's showing up and serving you. Because most of the times, even though it's not getting us what we want, it's serving us in a way. It and is. most of the time, it's a form of trying to protect how we truly feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, we're already on this topic of how, what, what are some practical exercises mm-hmm. or mindfulness practices that can help individuals reduce perfectionism and it's, um, you know, and how it's associated to stress? Yeah. Well, you know, stress is just an indicator it's data, just like all emotions are. Emotions are data. They're information, and it's trying to tell you what's going on in your mind because thoughts create how you feel. There's the circumstances in the world. There's things that are happening, and then it's our thoughts about it that create our emotional experience. The tricky thing is we're way more aware of how we're feeling about something before we're aware of what we're thinking because most of it's coming from our subconscious. Mm-hmm. So especially in terms of perfectionism, the the it's just – being able to recognize what it feels like in your body. And perfectionism, again, is fear. It's a knee-jerk reaction, it's too. An, right. And it seems so automatic. We're like, no, the emotion's coming first. And it's like, no, the emotion is coming from our thoughts. You just don't know what thought it is. That's why being so in tune with your body is key. Uh, so I'll back up a little bit because I think one of the things I notice a lot is language that we use. And so many of my clients identify as a perfectionist and use the phrase, I am a perfectionist. And you've gone back and forth. You said I'm a perfectionist. And then you also identify as having perfectionist tendencies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, our identity shapes our world, who we are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you want to identify as a perfectionist, you will continue to be a perfectionist for the rest of your life because it's an identity. So to, to, to separate it, it's like it's not my trait. I don't need to be like I don't have to be a perfectionist. It might just be my behavior. So it's identifying the behavior and it's not your whole entire self. It's a part of yourself. And then identifying that behavior as if it's helping you become more of who you want to be or less of who you want to be. And since perfectionism creates procrastination, indecision, confusion, uh, all of that um, comparison, Mm -hmm. and you look at those actions and you look at what you want, you're going to see the misalignment. Yeah. 
And it's not as easy. Like I'm not talking about toxic positivity and being like, well, just think better thoughts about yourself. It's not that simple. We can't just think better thoughts about ourselves, especially if we're not aware of the unconscious thoughts that we have. So the mindfulness is everything, being aware of your thoughts and being able to give yourself space from your thoughts. So whether that's a meditation practice or you go walking, you have just time without any headphones in where you can just be with your thoughts or even breath work or some side of movement, you have to have some sort of daily practice ritual that allows you to connect with your body. Because when you can connect with your body and you can get in tuned with what you're feeling, that the fear that perfectionism creates will not have as much control over you because when we run away from something and think about it think about what a fear response is if a tiger is chasing you are you just going to wait around to like have the conversation with the tiger say hey tiger don't eat me mm-hmm. no you're going to run away from it because yeah. that's a that is what our brain is designed to do it's designed to protect us to keep us out of dangerous situations mm-hmm. so that's actual fear so when we're trying to run away right that's an actual fear response but is a tiger actually chasing you is creating a podcast and being being seen is that actually a tiger and there are some nuances to your situation but generally when we're trying to run away from a fear it's not a real fear yes and i think that that's where you've helped me a lot too is just regulating the nervous system because the fight or flight and the freeze is just all over the map when you are not regulated and you're mm -hmm. and i don't want to i didn't want to interrupt you um, but there was this one exercise that we did that was so helpful. And the lesson of that particular exercise was to sit with the emotion. Because when you sit with the emotion and then there was three, I think there was three or four questions you ask yourself when you are experiencing, like uh, whether it is just a discomfort or whether it's I just don't like how I'm feeling right now or this thing came up on social media it's making me feel a certain way and like I just want to get out of this mindset because I know it's no longer serving me what were those steps remind me of those steps. yeah so that's the first thing is checking in with the like how you identify with being a perfectionist the checking in with how you say I am and then the next step is to sit with your emotions instead of try to run away be present with how you're feeling and this can be really tricky if you've never learned how to sit with your emotions or you don't have the space to do it because it's so uncomfortable that our tendency is trying to get out of it and when our nervous system is dysregulated we have conditioned ourselves because our society has so many ways to distract to avoid to push down how we're feeling Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I walked you through was just sitting and, and breathing into your body. And I had I had you describe the emotion like you would describe the emotion to a Martian, a creature, mm-hmm. someone that's never experienced an emotion before. Like, yeah. how would you describe it? And the reason why this is so effective is because it stops the train of thought that's creating the emotion. So it gets you out of your head and it gets you into your body. Mm-hmm. And so once you start describing it, you're aware that it's a vibration and it's a, it's moving through you. And it's such a cool experience to actually be present with your emotions and notice. I asked you, you know, what's the intensity of it? And you would tell me on a scale of one to 10. And maybe it started at an eight or, or uh, a nine. And then as I talked you through it even more, it went down to a seven. Yeah. And then it went down to a six. And so that's indicating to me that it is moving through you. And I also asked you to describe uh, the texture of it, if it has any colors. And 
you know, some people it's easier for them to describe it more in detail while others just kind of give a sense of what's going on and there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's literally just giving space for the emotion to move through your body because all that an emotion is is a vibration in your body and that's what we're so afraid of. We are so afraid of feeling. I know that was me. I was so afraid of feeling negative emotion because everyone told me I was positive and happy. So when I experienced negative emotion, I made it wrong, which shoved it away. Mm -hmm. And now when I experience emotions I'm like this is what it is to be a human to be able to experience the positive emotion and the negative and you can't have one without the other you need the contrast so that experience of sitting with the fear sitting with the discomfort helped you process it and then you can access your higher thinking because when stress is high emotional intelligence is low because to your brain your brain doesn't need you can't outthink it right Mm -hmm. if you're in danger you got to get out of there you can't think your way out of danger your body's like let's go you also can't outthink a dysregulated nervous system. So if your nervous system is dysregulated, which essentially means just it's not working, not working as it should, you can't outthink it. That's why positive affirmations don't always work because 80% of our body, our nerves, go from the body up. So when we're having an emotional experience, it's signaling to our brain. 20% goes from the top down. So top down processing doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. So being able to get your body into a more balanced place allows you to access the higher thoughts that will help you think your way out of that discomfort that you're feeling. Incredible. Because mind and body are linked. And I Mm -hmm. do think that the the importance of sitting with your emotion is crucial, especially for somebody who has battled with substance issues or eating disorders. They're all just masking the pain. But Mm -hmm. also I think that unprocessed emotion and unprocessed trauma will manifest later on. Yes. You have to deal with it right then and there. Yeah. Well, maybe not in that moment that it happened, but when it starts coming up. Yes. Because it's it's just a pattern that's mm-hmm. coming from the past. Because the when something happens, it's the way that our brain metabolizes it that determines our emotional response. Okay. So if something's happening, it could be something seemingly innocent on the outside, mm-hmm. but it's whatever your brain makes that mean. And we're not always aware because Mm -hmm. it's most likely coming from the unconscious. So when your body, for me, when I know I'm in this perfectionist state, it feels tight. It feels constricted. My stomach starts to hurt. So I know I need to work through something because my body's signaling. (laughs) And you can push it away. But again, it will keep coming back. It'll keep knocking on the door until you address it. And if not, it will manifest in physical symptoms. It will manifest in certain things that that just seemingly happen out of nowhere. Like There's just so many things that will happen when if you ignore it because the way that I view it is uh, like holding a beach ball under the water when you can only hold it under the water for so long until it comes out of the water and hits you in the face that's (laughs) what suppressing an emotion feels like that's an amazing analogy (laughs) I love that so much um I know that we're about to like wrap up here soon so I wanted to ask well two more questions but this next question was what's a way That someone can strike a healthy balance between, you know, a balance between healthy striving for excellence and then letting go of unattainable perfectionism. Because I know my perfectionism in some way has served me well in my course of work, especially in wedding planning. It Mm -hmm. has served me well. But, you know, how do you strike a balance? How do you reject perfectionism, but then also bring in healthy methods of you know, being a higher achiever. Mm -hmm. 
I love this question. Uh, it's this is it's like a tricky one for me because it's like I'm like, what's the balance? Well, and there's no we don't want to balance this per se. The only okay. balance that we want to create is in our body and our nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, any ex- external balance is a lie. <laughs> there's no such thing as balance. You can't rely on that. You can't rely on balance. But the first thing is to acknowledge that you know I call mine the inner hustler uh, because yeah, that inner perfectionist, that inner hustler helped get you to where you are. But what got you here isn't going to get you there because it's not sustainable. For me, it was running away from feeling inadequate, feeling um, feeling anxiety, feeling self-doubt. That's that's what it's happening is when I'm hustling, I'm trying to outrun an emotion, which you can't outrun it because it's following you because it's in your body. The first thing is change your relationship with failure. That is the way because failure, I even with my clients, I'm like, there's no failing. You're either winning or you're learning. That's it. Yeah. Because every great success in this world is built on a pile of failures. And the better we can get at failing forward and learning from our failures, the better we're going to be in our life. And that's how you create excellence in your life is being okay with failing, failing on your face, failing in front of people. Right. But that's the key because forward, failing forward, because when you can fail and know that you didn't die and you're okay, then you get up and you're like, that wasn't that bad. And getting rejected, because, again, it's it's a primitive fear to be rejected. We're afraid that if we're not perfect, we're going to be rejected and we're going to die. And it seems so silly to say out loud, but in our brain, our primitive brain, our lower brain, that feels like the truth. But when you do it and you realize you didn't die and it's okay, it Mm -hmm. changes your relationship with failure. And to me, the only way you fail is if you don't learn. Yeah. If, if you don't learn and you ignore it and then you keep doing the same thing and then you just give up because you're not willing to look at your mistakes as lessons, that is a failure. Fine. Yeah. But if you really can be OK with failing and maybe you have an aversion, you might have a little allergic reaction to me saying change your relationship with failure. Take out the word failure and insert lesson, like anything that you can connect to because you will learn from that. I mean, in school, yes, it is like you you have to pass or you're going to fail and be left behind. But also it was an opportunity. What didn't I get right on my test? We never sat down to be like, why didn't I get this right? And I'm just so excited that I get to teach this to my daughter. I am so excited that we get to sit down at the table and not just talk about our wins about the day, talk about how we failed and celebrate our failures. Because if we can celebrate our failures, you will create excellence in your life. This doesn't mean that you just don't care and you get lazy and whatever, right? You just kind of have a lackadaisical way to go about things. That's not what I'm saying. But being able to be open to learning from your failure is how you create excellence in your life because you can work hard and have it come from a place of feeling committed, determined. You can come from a place of courage. I mean, courage does not feel good. Mm-hmm. Courage is one of those feelings where you feel like your butt's about to fall off, your st- your heart <laughs> is in your stomach, but you show up and you do it anyway. Yeah. And those are the types of emotions that we want to use to fuel our action. We don't want to allow fear and anxiety and stress and indecision and worry to fuel our actions anymore. If you can fuel your actions from courage and commitment and determination, you're going to create amazing things in your life. Yeah. And you really can only master your craft through trial and error. Yeah. That's it. And trial and error 
involves failure. It does. It's a part of it. And and we have such an aversion to it. Mm-hmm. We're so afraid of failing. But what if we learned in school how to fail? What if you weren't graded the way that we were graded? What oh, if we God. weren't, right? No, no I, A, B, C, D, A, B, and F. Right? It's just, and, and people might be like, no, that's how we need to do it, which is fine. I'm not saying it needs to be a different way. But what yeah. if we just learned a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. If we learned about failing and actually celebrating our failures? Because that creates a growth mindset. And when you have a growth mindset, I mean, it changes how you show up for the world. Mm-hmm. It changes how you show up for your life. Because people get so focused on taking Taking the action. They're like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. But if that's coming from a place of inadequacy or fear, it's not going to create what you want. Or you will create it, but you can't sustain it. So if you want to create sustained success in your life, you have to check in with how you're feeling. And that comes back to what you're thinking. So if you're able to do that, then you're able to sustain it for so much longer, hopefully for forever, because you're in that mental and emotional alignment. I always say, Focus on the alignment and the actions will take care of themselves because the actions are the symptoms, which will ultimately create the results that you want. Beautiful. I loved all of that. (laughs) I'm just I'm just I I mean, this isn't on video, but I'm just like gazing into Brittany's eyes as she's (laughs) describing this. She is. And Essa has beautiful eyes. The way the lighting is hitting your eyes. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) So um, we're going to leave you with one last thing because I really do. I think that that last bit, especially about just becoming comfortable with failure and sitting with your emotions and just knowing if you're not failing, you're not mastering your art. Mm -hmm. And that is a part of achieving. Achieving Mm -hmm. is going to be failing over and over and over again. And you cannot fail if you are constantly striving for perfection. Yeah. Because you won't even like you won't even take a risk on yourself when you're trying for yeah when you're trying to be perfect you're not even going to take the risks Mm -hmm. you're going to be indecisive you're going to stay stagnant yeah and stay small and the thing is everybody has something within them Mm -hmm. i really deeply believe everyone does every single person even if you're listening and you're like no i don't that's not actually you Mm -mm. that's not you that's not your true self we all have something within us yep yep so last thing we want to leave you with a little bit extra so if you want more the the book the reference that you are going to recommend for people who want to learn more about perfectionism from what from our girl from our girl the <laughs> gifts of imperfection this was the first book i read and honestly there's some there's other books out there too but this is such a great starting point it's an it's a small book you can read it in a day it's an audio book it's an audio book it's lovely it's just one of those books that just help you feel seen mm-hmm. and validated and that's really the first step of being oh i'm not alone in this because we often think our challenges our problems our struggles are individual to ourselves, and they're not so many of the things that we've talked about are universal and it's just my mission to normalize all of it we need to normalize so many things in our culture in order to heal we're in the we're in the era of normalization let's just normalize it started with my normalized naps before my daughter was born (laughs) and my girlfriend Erin made me all these sweatshirts before I went on maternity leave a normalized nap. <laughs> like, why do adults stop taking naps? Babies take naps. We, we our inner, our inner baby needs to take naps. But I also have a resource that I'll give you, Tess, for um, one of my in the program that I have activate. I have a whole lesson about overcoming fear of failure, and that will be my gift to your listeners. Oh my god! Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna be. Too, I'm gonna be definitely indulging in that. Oh yeah. So thank you, ma'am. Yeah, of course. So we have Brittany's goodies. Um, again, that was the gifts of imperfection by the one and only Brene Brown. Our girl. Our girl. 
Um, but Brittany, just thank you so much again for coming on and for sharing your gifts. I mean, you've been sharing them with me one-on-one, but it's just been a privilege working with you. And then also just sharing your beauty, sharing your knowledge with the world. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be on your show (laughs) and trusting me to help be your guide in this has been such an honor. Uh, And it's just such a gift to be able to help you see what I see in you and watch it unfold and see the impact that you're making. You know, I'm only one human and I believe that when we feel good, we do good. And that's how we create a positive change in the world. And your podcast and your message and what you're creating is going to impact so many people. And I'm just so grateful that I get to be a tiny little piece of that. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm going to stop the record before I start getting emotional because I feel like you've all seen me get too emotional these days. No, we love the emotions. (laughs) But thank you, Tess. This was so fun. I had so much fun. Thank you so much. And again, just tune in to Brittany. Um, I'm going to put in my show notes, your Instagram, a link to your podcast, and then all the goodies that you had mentioned to help us overcome this beast we call perfectionism. Oh, I got all of the things. I'll also link my masterclass I did about imposter syndrome too. I'm oh. going to give you all the resources. Oh, thank you. We of need course. it. The world needs we it. Need it. Okay. Well, everybody, that was Brittany King and I will see you next time. Well, there you have it. Can you believe that was her first time doing a podcast interview? I was so impressed. She is light years ahead of where I was when I started my podcast. It's pretty amazing. I just, I mean, we had so much fun recording the podcast. I had tears in my eyes. My face hurt from smiling. There was at one point she was just gazing at me. Like it was just such a beautiful, special experience. And I'm so glad I got to share it with my podcast listeners. So if you haven't listened to the Dear Sunny podcast, I definitely recommend you do. That will be in the show notes. And this is what we do. This is what I do. I help bring ideas to life. I help my clients get out of their own way and feel safe enough to allow themselves to be seen and use their voice in whatever way that is. It doesn't mean starting a podcast. There's so many different ways that that shows up. That shows up in your professional life, asking for a raise, asking for a different position or getting a new job also shows up in your personal life. There's just so many ideas that we have for our life and they only just stay ideas. And it's just so sad when ideas die. So I'm on a mission to help my people bring the ideas they have for their life to make their lives better, their family's lives better, their community life better. That's what I'm here to do. Now, I am currently not taking any new clients. I am at capacity for the rest of the year, and I'm blessed with the most beautiful clients right now. And I'm just focusing on taking care of them and adding value to their lives. However, if you are in that place of wanting to to do something and get ready for change, make sure that you sign up for my wait list. I'll let you know right away when I'm taking new clients because I'd love to work with you in 2024, whether that's bringing an idea to life or working on your relationship with yourself, working on your relationship with others, working on your well-being, working on an idea, whatever it is. I got you. I got you in 2024. Let's roll. So make sure you sign up for the wait list and I'll reach out to you so we can just chat now and get to know each other and see if we'd be a good fit to work together. All right. Thank you again so much for your time. You are so 
amazing. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time to listen to my podcast and continuing to listen to the podcast. So grateful. So, so, so grateful. All right, my friend, until next time, remember to love yourself, own your happiness and let your light shine because you are so worthy until next time.